Welcome to Hope Renewed, the podcast of PIR Ministries. Thanks for connecting to Hope Renewed, the in-depth podcast about pastoral renewal and restoration. I'm Tom Jameson, and along with co-host Sean Nemechek, we explore the issues and challenges pastors face and help cultivate a renewed hope for healthy ministry lives. One of our convictions at PIR is that a healthy church culture for ministry enables a pastor to maintain good health and Christ-based hope. And the converse is equally true. Healthy, hopeful pastors lead healthy, hope-giving churches. Serving and strengthening pastors is a vital part of the gospel ministry of the church. Helping pastors navigate the challenges and wounds ministry can bring is what we and ministries we partner with are all about. Yeah, we have a special guest today. Jimmy Dodd is an author and well-known speaker. He's the founder and CEO of PastorServe, one of our partner ministries. Uh, they work across denominational lines, uh, and uh, Pastors Serve exists to help strengthen the church by serving pastors. Uh, Jimmy serves a number of ministries, including Cross International and Unite KC. Uh, he's husband to Sally and father to five amazing kids. Uh, he's also an author and uh, general editor of the Pastor Serve series. So he's uh, authored uh, Survive or Thrive, uh, Six Relationships That Every Pastor Needs, and uh, co-authored uh, a couple of books, uh, Pastors Are People Too, and What Great Leaders Get Right, uh, Six Core Competencies Every Leader Needs. Uh, in addition to those, he and his wife Sally have written a children's devotional called The Mag Magnificent Names of Jesus that will release in early uh, 2022. So, Jimmy Dodd, we are so happy to have you with us. Welcome to Hope Renewed. Thank you very much. It's great to be on with you guys. It's a privilege. Well, Jimmy, we're so glad to have you here. And, and I know uh, that you didn't start as an executive director of a church ministry that works all over the country, that you have your roots in pastoral ministry. Uh, we'd love to hear a little bit about your ministry journey and uh, how God led you to where you are today. Yeah, gosh, uh, thanks thanks very much. And there's a long version, but I'll share the short version, all right? Yeah. And the short version is still a bit long, just just <laughs> so you know. Uh, so so I pastored for, uh, for about 18 years. I pastored in Chicago and Boston and then South Carolina. Then I came uh, to Kansas City in 1992. And uh, my wife and I launched a church here. It was a church plant. Hmm. And uh, by God's grace, it went well at the church plant. And there were things that happened that were just very much a gift from God. And so the church begins to grow. And it's interesting because as the church grows, um, you really don't know why the church grows. I mean, it's just God's grace, right? It's just mm. God's unbelievably kindness because you're making so many stupid mistakes. But the fact that a church grows, I mean, like you're asked to, to do things. You're asked to speak. Uh, you're asked to talk about how you grew the church. You're asked mm -hmm. to, you know, be on some boards, just all those kind of things. And that was my path. And all of those things led to a place that was extremely unhealthy uh, because it led to a very strong front stage and a very, very messy backstage. And by God's grace, there, there was no affair. There was no, I mean, like embezzling, there, there was nothing serious. Hmm. I mean, like in that sense, but it was very, very serious because I, because I found my worth in the church. 
Hmm. And it led to all sorts of stupid decisions to be at the church way too much and to be at way too many meetings and to be at every small group. And uh, just because I just had that drive, you know what? I want you to like me. And so it was just so much about the church. And so I would say that, you know, you'd say, wow, uh, really, really strong church. And I'd say, I'm scared to death that you will actually get to know me because mm -hmm. I have that fear. If you really know me, if you really, really, really knew me, you know what? You wouldn't like me. And I think everybody has that fear in one sense. I think everybody yeah, has yeah. that fear of, okay, yeah. if you actually knew my heart, if you knew what drives me, if you know what motivates me, if you know what, I, and I mean, like, if you know, like my fantasy life, if you know my thought life, you probably wouldn't want to be my friend. Everybody mm -hmm. has that fear, but that fear um, just really drove me to pose and pretend and hide and, um, I mean, I had lust in my heart. I had greed in my heart. I had envy in my heart. I was very, very, very jealous of pastors. And it's like, listen, we, we had a very successful church, but I was envious of those. Their church hmm. is growing faster hmm. and everything seems to be better. And they've written these books and it was just stupid stuff. It was just stuff that, uh, I mean, my heart was very shriveled and small in one sense. And I just got to a point where it's, it's just exhausting to just to go through life and just pretend that you're a lot better than you are. That's mm. emotionally exhausting. Mm. It's physically exhausting. It's spiritually exhausting. And I, I was exhausted. And so in about 1996 or seven, I reached out to, to about five men and said, Hey, listen, I know that things look good with me. Things are not good with me. Uh, I know that you think that things are okay. Things are not okay because my heart, man, it just feels and it just feels, it feels bad. And, and, and I thought, um, I, I don't, I don't even know the best way to say it. You know what? I was very, very much a theological bully, mm -hmm. uh, because I had gone to Wheaton and then Gordon Conwell and I was in the PCA and I thought, man, I know a lot of stuff. And so I was just a theological bully and, uh, just kind of had this mindset of, you know, what if I could just have, you know, 15 minutes of your time, I can convince you mm. about, about, and it was just, it, it was arrogant. It was, it was just foolish and extremely immature. Mm. Um, and so these men just spoke truth into my life and I just began to believe the gospel in a big way for the very first time. I think I preached the gospel, mm -hmm. but I don't think I believed it was true for me. I thought it was true for you. But but for me, it was still going to be hard work and long hours and all of these other yeah. things. And man, God, God just began to grab my heart. And there, 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 there was this one amazing guy. His name was Jack Miller. And he said, I mean, like every time he would say exactly the same thing. He'd say, hey, Jimmy, cheer up. You're worse than you think. <laughs> but but you're more deeply loved by god than you will ever yeah. possibly comprehend yeah, yeah and that's yeah. that's the gospel mm -hmm. that right there is the gospel i am worse than i will ever know i'm worse than that i mean i am broken beyond belief but i am more deeply loved by jesus than i will ever possibly comprehend yeah and i just began to believe i mean it was the most freeing thing in the world but i began mm. to believe the gospel which meant i could just talk openly about my brokenness, about, about my jealousy, about my lust, about my envy, about mm. the fact I found my worth in the church. I just became very, very open about my brokenness. 
And uh, it, it changed a lot of things. I mean, look, it changed my preaching. It changed mm-hmm. the way that, that, that like I led, I was just home much, much more. It was just a much, much stronger time in my life. Way, way, way back when I was on the radio, which is actually embarrassing now because it was a show that was very <laughs> cheesy. Uh, but, but I was on the radio and I began to have pastors call me and say something's different. I mean, I can just tell in your preaching, something is different and you seem like a safe guy to talk to. You seem like a safe guy mm. that I could meet with and just confide with. And I would say, I don't know if I, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, like if I have a lot of wisdom or insight or anything, but, but I mean, I can just listen and just process with you. So I begin to meet with pastors and just listen and just hear their stories. And the thing that was amazing guys was this. I heard a thousand different stories, but it was the same story every time. It was always there. There's a big issue. And it's, you know, I have this big conflict in my church. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to lead. I've got these big, big issues in my marriage. I've got issues with my children. I have addictions. I'm an alcoholic. I'm a drug addict. I'm in the midst of an affair. It could go. It was all the way across the board. And then it was, and there, there's a place where I'm supposed to go. I'm supposed to go to my board or my elders or my district superintendent or my mm. bishop, or, you know, who, you know, whoever, but I would never go there mm. ever because I'm scared to death. If I went there and if I was completely honest about all the stuff in my life, I think I would get fired. Yeah. And, and I've got kids in college or I've got a mortgage or I've got, you know, I mean, like I have these obligations. I cannot afford to get fired because vocationally there's no plan B. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I was trained to be a pastor. I cannot lose my job, which means I cannot be honest. And I've been dying inside because there's no place where I can go to be honest about all these things in my heart, all of these secrets and all of this junk in my heart. There's no place where I can go. And so that's why I called you. I heard that story over and over and over to the point where it broke my heart. And I thought, gosh, there, there is a need for pastors to have a place to go. That is a safe place. That is a confidential place that is gospel centric. And the, and I just heard a very clear voice from the Lord in my heart. It wasn't audible, but I heard just God say in a very clear way uh, that I want to change your call. I called you to walk with the church as a pastor way, way, way back when I mean, like as a child, um, but I want to change your call. I want you to pastor pastors. Hmm. So uh, we we resigned the, the church and we launched Pastor Serve, which I just you laugh at because there was no strategic plan. <laughs> there was no board. There was no 501c3. There was no money. There was nothing. And so it was it, it was massively naive. But I mean, my wife and I just felt very strongly that the, hmm. this is what God wanted. And uh, it's a long story, but uh, now we're at the place where God has just blessed us beyond belief. We've got uh, 48 staff in like 12 states, and we have amazing staff around the country and mm. in amazing teams, and we get to serve and work and field a lot of calls every day. And Almost so, like the, the Lord had that in mind that oh uh, gosh. Yeah, this is <laughs> something that's necessary for the church. Come in a big way. Yeah. yeah I, and I'm just so captured by the trajectory in your story, you know, as you entered into ministry, um, 
uh, and I think so many do enter into ministry with kind of big, big eyes, hoping and, and listening for what God might be doing. And as I ask you about pastor serve and, and what you're seeing in pastoral ministry, um, I, I'm almost anticipating an answer that, that's going to say, well, it's the same thing that I went through. I'm, I'm just hearing, you know, people wanting this safe place. So I, I would like to ask a question that goes before that is, I'm so curious to know why it is that those who step into ministry, who who have a heart of faith to serve Jesus and, and really uh, want to, you know, give themselves fully to ministry in a way that honors God and makes the gospel known, find themselves in exactly that situation you were saying, that, that their lives are such that they're feeling, if you knew me, you would reject me. Uh, it's just kind of rooted in insecurity. Um, in your work with pastors, any insights of why yeah. that might be? Yeah, gosh, that's a great question. I I believe with, with my whole heart that uh, Satan has a very small toolbox. Mm. It's it's a small toolbox. He just does not have a lot of tools. But because he's not omnipresent, he's not omniscient, he's not not like omnipotent. We, we could go on and on. Mm-hmm. But the main tool that he has is this. He whispers lies into our ears, and we believe those lies so often. And I mean, I hear these lies every day from pastors. It's like, well, you know what? I'm just convinced. And then it's all of these lies. And it's, I'm convinced if you actually knew my heart, you would not like me. That's a huge lie from Satan. Mm-hmm. It's okay. You know what? Keep all of your secrets. That's that's a huge lie from Satan. Hey, you know what? You're the only one actually struggling with this. You're the only pastor struggling with these sins. I hear that all the time. I hear, gosh, I think I'm the only guy in America that actually struggles. Like, no, you're not the, and that, that just creates sup, such a massive amounts of shame. There's so much shame in pastors because they just believe, man, I'm, I'm, I'm the only one struggling with these things. And I think Satan, and I mean, there, there's a lot more lies, but I just believe that he, I mean, that, that, that's his main tool is we start to just believe these lies. Mm. These lies, I think, can also just get crazy. Like, hey, for all you do for God and for his kingdom, you actually deserve this, mm. which is a lie we heard spoken to actually Ravi for a long time. That, 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 mm. that was the big lie that he mm. believed we found out, which is heartbreaking. That's a heartbreaking situation. But there's a lot of pastors. It just breaks my heart. It's, well, you know what? For all you do for God and for his kingdom, for all you do, you know what? You know what? You actually deserve this. And it's just, mm. man, Satan loves to lie to us and just you twist truth. And so I think that that's a, that, that's a big piece of it. Jimmy, can I jump in there for a second? I just um, heard somebody ask a group of seminary students, uh, how do you know your call to ministry isn't based on trauma? Uh, and I wonder... You know, great question, huh? I, I I wonder, do pastors bring a lot of this shame, a lot of these lies with them into ministry from earlier in life? Sean, y- yes. Gosh, and that, that's a whole show, I think, to unpack that. Mm. Um, but But there's massive amounts of shame because we hide and we don't want to be open and vulnerable. But I believe that we spur on shame. I believe mm. that we spur on so much shame in the church. And I heard, heard a guy preach. And man, after he preached, I was angry because he preached on, hey, you know what? Don't be afraid. And it's all throughout the scriptures. It's in there, you know, 364 times, you know, do not be afraid. So he goes through all of these scriptures. 
he took every scripture out of context, every single one he took out of context, because every time it says, don't be afraid, it says something of, because I am with you, because I'm right there, because I will fight for you, because I'm your redeemer. Every time there is a command, don't, you know, don't be afraid, but there's a promise with it. There's always a promise. And it makes me crazy when I hear pastors preach the commands of God apart from the promises of God, Mm. because when you preach commands of God, all you will do is shame people. You're going to shame them because you're going to think, well, you know what? I am afraid because everybody's afraid. We're, we're all afraid, right? But you have to say, okay, Lord, I'm afraid of, and you know, that's a long list of things. It's like, but you know what, Lord, you are with me. You are my God and my redeemer and my fortress and my shield and my strong tower. You are here. You are present with me. And we have to preach the gospel to our own hearts each and every day. But I think there's a lot of pastors that have been raised up in a culture of shame. Mm. And so I think there's a massive amount of shame because it's just, yeah, here's all of these commands of God and we forget the promises of God. And it's just, man, I'm failing. I'm failing. I'm failing. I'm not doing this. Well, I do feel fear. I do feel lust. I do feel anger on and on. And we have to go back and say, yeah, there's, there's, there's a gospel there. There's promises. And we miss the promises so often. Mm. Wow. Well, as you are working in pastor serve and, and, you know, fielding calls and, and working with pastors, what are you currently seeing as the challenges in pastoral ministry? What's unique to this time? Yeah. And it's been a hard uh, 21 months now, I guess. Right. I mean, it's been, gosh, it's been a hard time for pastors because it's like the perfect storm. It's not like one big, big issue. Uh, it's like all these things hit at once. So like you have COVID, obviously this massive issue, you've got the whole, the, the big thing about Christian nationalism and your thoughts on Trump and your, we could go on and on about that. And then the big thing I'm going to think about racial issues has obviously been huge. And then like, as a result of those three things, you have big, big issues with, I mean, like funds and the economy and where are things going and then joblessness. And so it, it has been a really hard stretch, but I think it's been felt in a very real way by pastors. Because if you speak on anything, if you speak on anything right now, I mean, like if you speak up about racial justice, if you talk about the vaccine, if you talk about, you know, masks on, or, or there's always a group in the church that doesn't like what you said. And for some reason, over these past 20 months, those groups have been extremely vocal. So I've heard from more pastors, hey, the meanest things in my life have been spoken to me over the past 20 months or whatever it's Mm -hmm. been. I mean, some really harsh things. And for some reason, it it just feels like the church has moved from, hey, the heart of of like everything we do is Jesus. That's, it's got to be Jesus. It feels like there's been this shift to do we have the same ideology about Christian nationalism and racism and the vaccine and everything else? It's like, all of a sudden, that's become the main point of our unity. And that has been so hard on pastors because they're trying to go back to, listen, our unity is not these things. It's got to be Jesus. Mm. Because we, we, you know, because we will feel very, very differently about these things. And if you feel this way about the vaccine or that way about the, you know, or this way about you CRT or this way, whatever you think. 
there's a place in our church for you because those things are not the basis of unity in our church. The basis of unity is Jesus. Hmm. And so I hear pastors preach that, but I'm telling you, that's been a hard message because so many in the church are like, no, right now are, uh, you know what? It's, it's, it's not about Jesus. It's just about this ideology and it leads to massive fractures in the church. And so we have just heard from more and more pastors that they're exhausted, that they're tired, that they've just been, I mean, they've just been treated really, really poorly. And there's a lot of pastors walking away, which is very concerning. It's heartbreaking, but there's a lot of pastors right now saying, you know what? I did not sign up for this. This is not what I signed up for. And uh, man, I feel like I get crucified every week and I'm not going to keep doing this because it really has an impact upon my spouse and my children. I can't keep, I just can't keep this up. And so there's a lot of pastors walking away right now, which is very deeply concerning. I, I just, I can't help but think that, you know, we're in a time where the gospel is always countercultural. Uh, but this, right. you know, somebody turned the flame up on this, uh, where that, that battle is now in the pews. It's not outside the church. It's, it's inside the church. Yeah. And how can we be helping, strengthening, uh, providing hope for pastors to stay the course? Because this, this is the reality of it. It, it. The gospel is going to be countercultural and it's going to result in those kinds of pressures and those kinds of just the, the difficulty uh, of doing ministry. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, that's a great question again. Yeah, I think that right now that this is a key time that pastors have got to do soul care. They have to do self-care, that they have to understand, uh, you know, the, this whole thing right now, man, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And I mean, like if you're in a, and so I've not run, you know, I've not actually run, run a, you know, I, I don't run much at all. I walk a lot, but I don't run uh, <laughs> because I get exhausted actually if I drive 26 miles. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> But I mean, like if you run, run, I know a marathon, you have to stop at these aid stations, right? Because you have to drink water. And I mean, like you have to get some carbs because you physically cannot go the whole way. And so I think that you just have to know that there are these aid stations as a pastor. They are vacations. There's days off. There are some days just to do some soul care. And I think you have to be extremely intentional about those because I think that there is just kind of this you grind with pastors of, man, I want to care. I want to care. I want to care because it's such a hard time for our country. And because of all that care, they just begin to lack that self-care. And that's what leads to some big, big message. You have got to do self-care. It's not selfish, but to plan days, to be away, to be quiet, to read, to have like a spiritual director, to have a coach in your life, to have a mentor in your life, to have a counselor in your life, to have those that can just speak some, you know, just some basic truth in your life. That is so critical right now. And so I would say that self-care is just so, so, so important right now, because I think the mental health of pastors, I mean, like, is at a low point right now. And the only way that we will have help is we've got to do soul care. We, we, we just have to have these mental health days that we care for ourselves. And you, you, you might think, well, I don't know what to do. And I wouldn't have a clue. Call, call us at pastor serve because we help lots of churches, lots of staffs. You know, that's, that's a lot of what we do. 
is soul care. Mm-hmm. So I would say that that is just critical right now. That kind of brings up the the a dynamic that you've mentioned earlier. You mentioned in the book Survivor Thrive, and that's that front stage, backstage dynamic. Um, can you just explore that a little bit more? What? Why do so many pastors put all their effort into front stage and and backstage gets neglected? What's going on there? Yeah, because I think we have fed that beast for a long time, mm. and so like I. You know, so like I'll have a group at a conference and we'll hear this just outstanding speaker. And afterwards, I'll hear, oh, my gosh, I love that speaker. He was incredible. I mean, God spoke to me. It changed my heart. It changed my life. I think I want to be uh, I, I mean, it was just it was just outstanding. So it's like, OK, that's amazing. God spoke to your heart and the spirit used that talk. That's very encouraging. But you also said the speaker was incredible and you love him. What what do you know about that speaker? You you don't know anything about them. You you, you don't know about his marriage or kids or their money or on, on and on and on. You made massive assumptions about their backstage based upon the front stage. And I think that we have made that mistake for so long that we make assumptions. We 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 just see this really strong front stage. It's like, wow, you know, he or she really strong speaker, really strong ministry, really strong front stage. And we just make this assumption. I guess that means they have a strong marriage and they're great parents and they handle their finances well, and they're kind to people and they're, you know, on and on. That's a terrible assumption. That's a terrible, but we feed that constantly because we prop up, oh gosh, here, here's a great speaker. Let's just prop them up. She's amazing. Let's prop her up. We know nothing about them. Let's vet these people a little bit and learn. Okay, what's what? What's their backstage like? Um, and there are stories after stories, obviously, of pastors that have these you know huge moral failures and you know big 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 failures. But we were just enamored with the front stage for a long time that we just almost ignored mm-hmm. the backstage. Mm-hmm. And I think that we have to get to a point. That we are not enamored with the, I mean, big, big stage. It's like, you know what? No, you know what? You know what? I want to hear from those that have worked hard to have strong marriages and have character and have tremendous integrity. And they might not have a big church. It might be a very, very small church, but man, they've been faithful all of these years. Mm-hmm. And listen, it's, it's still very clear. We are enamored with the, you know, the, the, the big and the famous and everything else. And, um, and I mean, I get to work with, you know, lots and lots of amazing pastors who, who it's like, man, th- these people have a really strong backstage as well. And I have tremendous appreciation for those who, who I know, you know, that this guy's the real deal. This guy is the real deal uh, because I've walked with him for, for a long time. And man, his backstage is just as strong as his front stage. Hmm. That's true for men and also women. And uh but I think we are just enamored with the front stage and it leads to a lot of problems. That happens in, in uh, our churches too. People come to hear a message from the, the pastor and they've got some sort of emotional connection uh, to that person. They put them on a pedestal or um, think that because this person is offering encouragement and, and promises that they must be some, some great, great, wonderful person. But um when I coach pastors through burnout, one of the things I've found is that quite often their, their walk with God is no longer sufficient to sustain their work for God. 
Yeah, because that backstage has been neglected so long. Are you seeing the same thing? Yes, I am. Because because as your front stage grows, there's more and more and more and more big, big opportunities, which means there's going to be a lot less time to slow down, to spend time actually with Jesus, to do soul care, to read your Bible, to pray. Yes, all of those things begin to just get left behind. Um, because I've got all, because I've got some big, big, big opportunities and it's like, oh my goodness, how have we gotten to this place? There, there are those, I think that just feel like there is a need for them to be heard. And it's always at the expense of just that chance, just to slow down and to be with Jesus and just to really, 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 really listen to him, uh, which is just critical. It's just critical for pastor's hearts. Absolutely. So you mentioned earlier that there's some relationships a pastor needs to help sustain uh, just their their own soul and to care for their own soul. Can you just briefly walk us through uh, what those relationships are and why they're important? Yeah. Yeah. It is boss, trainer, coach, counselor, mentor, friend. So boss, it's important to have a boss. Why? Because you need to have a champion because a boss can be your champion and can ask you the hard questions about your vacations, about your rest, about your life, because you need to have those that fight for you that have got your back. And I, I just believe it's extremely important. It breaks my heart because I'll hear from, I mean, like a bunch of pastors. Well, you know what? It's, it's actually a staff led church and, um, and I'm the lead pastor. So I'm the boss and there really is no boss. It's, it's me. And I don't have a coach because, um, because I really don't know if I could trust anybody because my church is so big. I don't trust anybody that has a smaller church and I don't have a trainer because usually I'm the trainer. Uh, I don't go to counseling because I think that's a waste of time. I used to have a mentor, but we lost touch years ago. And if I'm completely honest with you, I don't have any peers, which means I don't have any friends. And we know that pastor is ripe for a fall. I mean, mm-hmm. that is just clear as bell that pastor will fall. So, I mean, it's just extremely important to have a champion. And so a coach, I hear all the time, well, uh, I want to have a coach that's really, really experienced. It's, you know, that I mean, like, you know, who's at a large church and all of these years in ministry, because I want to know that he's a bit stronger than I am. I need to know that she has a bit more actual experience. And it's just, and, and I just laugh at that. And I say, do you think that Dean Smith could beat Michael Jordan in basketball? <laughs> no, but Dean Smith was the perfect coach in college, right? He was the perfect coach for forming Michael Jordan. Why? Because he was honest with him because he could say, Michael, you know what? When you play pickup games, I know that you want to always play down low so you can dominate. Every pickup game you play the rest of your life, I want you to play point guard. What a what a great thing, thing that was for him to say because it helped Jordan so much. It's like He was a great coach. Dean Smith was not a great player. He played for the greatest college in America, which is Kansas University. God bless the Jayhawks. But he was not. But you know what, though? He sat the bench. He was not a great player, but he was a great coach. So you don't have to have a coach who's in this huge church. That's that's craziness. Have a coach that knows how to ask you the right questions Mm -hmm. and walk through the right things and can press in at the right times. And it's not just for a crisis. We believe every pastor needs a coach, period, yeah. period. Now, listen, 
this is understood in the sports world, right? It's understood. It's like, well, yeah, you know what? If you're on a team, you have to have a coach. But yeah, but every golfer and every tennis player, every we could go on and on. They all have coaches. Why? Because they want to get better. Because they know that it's going to be extremely wise to have that outside person that's there, that's watching, that's just asking questions. Pastors need to have a coach. We need to have a trainer, which means we have hearts to learn and grow. So like, if you're at the point where you think, uh, I've kind of got it, you know what, everything. It's like, man, you're, you're in a bad place. You have to have a learner's heart, which means you're going to have to learn and grow and be taught and be teachable. That is just extremely important. It's extremely wise to have a counselor because a counselor helps us look back and just process some things. And these might not be things that you have done. It's just life. You know what? Your parents die and there's car accidents and there's sickness and there's cancer and there's conflict and there's trauma. That's just life. And it's so helpful to just be able to process through and just to walk through that like emotional type of a funnel where you can go down and become, you know, I mean, and just get extremely open and vulnerable and say, you know, that these things really, you know, I mean, like my, I mean, like my dad's death, it had a big, big, you know, big, big impact on my heart in this way. And just to, just to, just to start to ask those questions that can be extremely helpful. It's really, really wise to have a mentor who just sees the big, I mean, sees like the big picture and you can call and just say, man, I'm at a crossroads in life right now. And I've got some big, big decisions out there. And I would just, you know, and just, I mean, like your wisdom and insight I need right now. It's extremely wise to have mentors. And then every pastor needs some friends. And I mean, friends who can ask us the hard questions, friends who can say, Hey man, I love you, but I think that there's some blind spots in your life. Friends with whom you can share everything yeah because because i think it's just extremely important to have about maybe like you know two to three or so friends that know everything about you i mean everything they know your sexual history they know about your finances they know about the way you treat your kids they know everything because it is freeing in life to not have secrets it's freeing in life to not have secrets and i think that every pastor has got to have friends uh who can just be uh, there and just be extremely open and honest with you. And so like, I'm always asked, okay, should a pastor have friends in the church? And, uh, for years and years, I mean, like it's been, and I mean, I mean, like it's out there in books and conferences and seminars. No, uh, because there's a huge risk. And I would say, yes, you can have friends in the church. Why? Because if we don't, you know, oftentimes it's extreme isolation. And I deal with so many pastors that are so isolated. They're just emotionally, spiritually isolated. They, 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 they don't have deep conversations with anybody. So it's like, well, I don't think that you should have your friends in the church. Okay, well, then give me a list of, of like your friends outside the church that know everything about you. And it's like, well, I, I don't have anybody there, there either. Well, uh, then I think you need some friends. And if the best friends you have are actually in the church, then you know what? There's always a risk in that, right? There's always a risk because if you share everything with them, it's like, well, I've got enough information now to get you fired. Of course, that's a risk. But I mean, like the flip side, though, is extreme isolation, which I think is re really, really dangerous. So mm. boss, trainer, coach, and counselor, mentor, friend, I think that those are extremely important roles.
Yeah. This, this is so, uh, so much fun for me because uh, before I ever saw your book, uh, I, I went through burnout and God uh, led me to, to look for some relationships that I needed. And so I found a mentor, uh, a counselor, a coach, a spiritual director, and a good friend. Uh, and the, those you should have the, written the book. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, you should have like, written the book. Like we're on the same page here, Jimmy. This Come on. is this is yeah. so important. And the reason I needed those is because I w- had become so isolated. I had no one to talk to. Um, what what do you see are the impacts that isolation and disconnection have? What what does it do to a pastor's soul and to his ministry? Wow, my gosh! I mean. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, it's one of those things. If you're isolated, your heart just becomes uh, very, very skeptical and mm-hmm. very filled with shame, and you become very, very doubtful about things. And um, and let, let me just say, you, you can be s- surrounded by people and still be isolated. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, my gosh, I see a lot of pastors, big, big church, surrounded with a huge staff and huge crowds, and they're still completely isolated because they've learned that there's a game that you can play that you can share, uh, you know, you can share like enough that everybody says, Oh, I met with pastor bill and he shared all this stuff with me and Oh my gosh, he's so open and so honest, but there's still this gap. It's like, but there's still all this stuff. That's very, very close to your heart that you would never share. There's still this stuff in your heart that you're thinking (laughs) and you learn how to kind of play the game of, I want to share enough so that you think I'm incredibly open and honest and vulnerable, but I'm not going to share anything in here. And that, that, and that just creates more and more just, I believe that of just that isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that takes pastors down because you start to believe more and more. I, I just believe of just like those lies from Satan. Hey man, it's good right now. You, you, you know, stay isolated. Don't, don't, share your sins and your hurts and your fears and your secrets, keep all those to yourself because if they know you, because if you share everything with them, you know what, man, they're not going to like you. So just stay isolated. And that is a lie straight from the pit of hell. Yeah. The only way to deal with shame and anxiety is to speak it out, to to bring it into the light in the presence of another person. And if you don't do that, then the shame continues and it gets deeper and it becomes more isolating. And it's just like a death spiral to both ourselves personally and to our ministries as a, as a whole. Um, Keep going, Sean. I don't even know why I'm on this show. (laughs) Keep going. Keep going. That's exactly right. We we could, we could probably go on for hours talking about this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so let's flip it then. Uh, The death spiral, what, what gets us out of that? And I'm going to ask you a really loaded question. This is a bad question, but it's what I got here. So, (laughs) so how, how does, how is hope the antidote for uh, this death spiral? Yeah, because our hope is Jesus. Hmm. I mean, it's just, it's got to come back to Jesus. It's not, you know, it's not like, okay, here's this huge plan. Here's this huge program. And it starts with, hey, listen, our hope has got to be Jesus. Hmm. Uh, That he is our absolute only hope. It's not me trying harder. It's not me saying, okay, I've got to just pull myself up by like my own bootstraps. No, you know what? It's just got to start with us saying, Okay, Jesus, you are my only hope. Hmm. And I mean, like a lot of pastors, I think way too quickly want a program that they want a, okay, you know what? I need to know the five steps to kind of get out of this place right now. Okay. Step one, two, three, four, five, it's Jesus. Hmm. And they're oftentimes, well, well, you you know what? I know that. Well, 
I, I don't know if you do know that. I think you need just to take a deep breath and understand that the place we have to begin is Jesus, that he knows you, that he loves you, that he's compassionate towards you. God loves me. God cares for me. God will always be with me. The God is proud of me, that he's my father, that he's my God, that he is that he has walked with me every day of my life, that there might be days where I think, man, I look back, back like over my life and I think, where was God? God was there every day. Uh, uh, I mean, give your life. It's like, gosh, I mean, I, I, I could go on and on. And that's, you, you know, what? Though it's a lot like Jacob. Um, we're at the very, very end of his life in Genesis 48, where he prays and he prays over, you know, I'm, I mean, like his whole family. And he has the, that, this amazing prayer. He says, God, who has been my shepherd every day of my life until now, every day of my life. And you think, dude, you, you had a pretty hard life. I mean, you had a really hard life and you had some terrible, terrible days in your life where you had to think, man, God has just abandoned me. But at the very, very end of his life, he says, God, who has been my shepherd every day. And I think you just have got to have that perspective of God. God's been there every single day. And you know what? God is proud of me, not because of the things I do, uh, but just because I'm his son. I love the fact, I love the fact that, you know, Christ hears at the very, very start of his life, essentially, Hey, this is my son whom I love with him. I, I am well pleased. I mean, he has not launched his ministry yet. He hasn't called the 12 yet. He hasn't healed anybody yet. He hasn't done all of these things. And at the very start of his life, he hears, I love you. You're my boy. And I'm proud of you. And it's like, wow, mm. would, would that make a lot more sense? Sense actually after the resurrection to hear all those things. But at the very start, Hey, you know what? I love you. I'm proud of you. And, uh, and, and, and I think that we just have got to understand God is a stronger parent than we are. And we are good parents for, for, I mean, like the most part, right? And it's like, you know what? God is so much better. It's like, I'm on the way to like a baseball game with like my grandson. And he might say, grandpa, if I hit a home run, are you, are, are you, you know, will, will you be proud of me? And I say what any parent or any grandparent would say, I'm proud of you right now. But if you hit a home run, that's going to be awesome. That'll be great. But I'm proud of you right now. I love you right now. God says that same thing to us. Hey, you know what? If you have a big church, if you have a big impact upon thousands of people, if you lead all these people to Jesus, hey, that's that's really awesome. But I love you right now. Now I'm proud of you right now. And pastors need to hear that. That's, mm. that, that's just the gospel. And, and how important that is to have in place to be able to take then the steps of, of opening up, of being vulnerable, being honest, yeah. exactly. of, of examining the backstage. Exactly, Tom. You're exactly right. And that's, that's what we want pastors to hear. That our hope is not in our ministry, our hope is not in our preaching, our hope is not in the people who think we're, you know, the best thing since sliced bread. It is in in who God has called us to be in Jesus yeah. Christ. Amen. And, and that will sustain, if I can insert a little bit of my testimony here, that will sustain whatever we reveal in our backstage, yeah. because yeah. it costs me my call. It costs me my church to be that honest. But... It hmm. did not cost me who I am in Christ. In fact, it, it helped me understand that more deeply. So it became, as you were saying, 
not just the gospel that you preached. It became the gospel that defined my life yeah, uh, and defines so our lives. So before we let you go here today, you're involved in a unique um, initiative called Unite KC. Tell us a little bit about that and how that's providing hope to the community. Gosh, it's a long story there as well. But, but I mean, like, it's about racial reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And it's trying to understand uh, that, the, that the big, big issues of race are not black versus white. It's good, very, very, very much against evil. Mm-hmm. And so the thing that we uh, push uh, constantly is this. Find one good thing and do one good thing. And so oftentimes it's, okay, well, if I want to help heal the big, big divide in our city as far as race, what would be one good thing? Well, find like a black owned business and shop at a black owned business. Uh, learn, you know, learn a lot more, more actually about black history. I mean, they, they, you know, that there's just a long, long list of things. Um, but we have found that there is a deep, deep divide in Kansas city. Uh, we've got a very long, long, long racial history and it's very dark. And I mean, like, and I mean, like a lot of ways. We, we have a long ways to go, but man, there's some great things happening in Kansas yeah. City. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Thanks, guys, for asking about that. Yeah. So before we get to our, our last question, we just want to know how can people connect with you, with Pastor Serve, or with Unite KC like you were talking about? Where, where can they go online to, to find out more? You can go to, uh, I believe it's unitekc.org has got the whole thing there, uh, just like about the work. And then also you can go and you can look, look at everything at pastorserve.org. Um, and um, yeah, we're, and also we're, we're just about to launch a uh, brand new Pastor Serve podcast, not to compete with you guys. We'd love to have you guys on our show, but we're just about to have that. So that will be extremely, you know, I mean, I mean, like for us, you know, that's very exciting. All right. So uh, we, we always uh, end with the same question. Um, wow. What words of hope would you like to offer to pastors and their families? Yeah, gosh, that's a great question. We, we are broken. We are sinful. Uh, we do have small hearts, uh, lots and lots of times. We do have fears in our life, but we have to know and believe that there is hope because Jesus loves us more than we will ever possibly comprehend, Mm -hmm. that he loves us. He cares for us. He's our father. He's proud of us. He's there with us. And we have to trust that Jesus Christ is the one who will always be there. And he loves us and he loves us for the craziest reason in the world. He loves us just because he does. Um, and that's theological. Everybody says, well, is that, that's, that's very much scriptural and theological. He loves us just because he chose to love us, which is just incredible. Yeah. Um, and we have to believe the gospel is true. That I mean, like religion is all about the outside, but the gospel transforms us on the inside. And we need transformation on the inside because the front stage and the outside people can be fooled, but know your own heart and know that the gospel does deep, deep transformation on the inside. Jimmy, thank you so much for coming on Hope Renewed and for sharing your heart with, uh, with pastors and, uh, and their families. Thank you again. You guys are easy, easy to talk to. You guys are very good hosts. So I'm very, very grateful for this time. <laughs> well, so thank, thank you. Thank you.
Thanks. And as always, we invite you, our listeners, to rate and review Hope Renewed in iTunes or your favorite podcast app and to share this podcast with your friends on social media. It's a great way to help us continue to bring hope to others. Thanks for joining us today. It is our prayer that your hope would rest fully in Jesus, God with us. PIR Ministries partners with God and the church in the work of pastoral renewal and restoration to cultivate new hope for healthy ministry lives. You can learn more about us at our webpage, pirministries.org, or email us at info at pirministries.org. Thanks for joining us for Hope Renewed, and remember, the hope Christ offers will never put us to shame. Thank you.